Hello and welcome. Was that too loud? We may have blown your speakers. <laughs> to the What the What podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eric Creech, and joining me today, now that he's built his podcasting equipment in a cave with a box of scraps, Kyle Whitley. We may need to build you a new computer system because we may have blown your speakers with those box of scraps. We're still in, uh, in experimenting with our sound. Um, maybe you don't have to turn us all the way up to 50 on your radio now. We'll um, see. We'll see. We're um, getting there. We started pretty loud in the episode from two weeks ago, and then mm-hmm. Ricky just jumped ahead of us. And he didn't even have the special box. I know. We spent all this money on the special box, and Ricky didn't even need it. Mm-mm. Ricky it's, just plowed over the rest of the podcast with I mean, his it's, it's gigantic crazy. voice. It's crazy. But this is our first episode that we are recording in 2020. Yep. Um, it is currently January the 9th, and this episode will come out on... January the 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Could be. Um, so That's we're next Monday. Excited to be back in studio tonight. We are. We are finally back. It's been busy. Uh, holiday season is finally coming to an end, but that just means the that new means year. We just get busier and busier. It does. I mean, there's really no off season for us. No, we stay busy. I mean, we, Which we, is okay. We, that's okay. I'd rather be busy than bored. That's true. So, I mean, Sometimes I'm busy and bored. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be pretty bad. You got to so. evaluate things. You do. But uh, we are super excited for today's episode. Yes, um, we are. We finally, we've talked about it a lot. Here we are. This is like my homage to my favorite podcast outside of ours, um, the Binge Mode podcast from TheRinger.com. What a great website. Um, put on by Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion. They do Binge Mode, um, and they have explored Game of Thrones. They've explored Harry Potter, and they're currently exploring Star Wars. Hmm. But we have beat them to the punch. For we can't really call it binge, but I think they have a trademark on that or, or something for their podcasting. So we're going to say we're running the Infinity Gauntlet. I'm I'm cool with that. I, a, I like that name. You know, we're running the Infinity Gauntlet. We're going to be going through all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. It's going to take a while, folks. Well, we're, we're gonna in do, this for the long haul. We're going to do one a month. Okay. Yep. So the current films that are out now, it will take us two years. And mm-hmm. a, a couple of months after that, because we're not going to do one in December each week, year, because, you know, Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of Christmas stuff we can talk about. Yeah. Um, and then by the time we get done with that, there'll have been two or three more films already out. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, maybe some Disney Plus TV shows that we can talk about as well. So, this is a never-ending Infinity Gauntlet. And we're not even talking about never-ending story. I we know. don't have a creepy flying dog, but yeah. we've got trees that walk and talk. You know, you know I've never seen the uh, never-ending uh, never story. You should. It's on, is it on Disney? I don't know if it's Disney. I don't know or not. if it's on Disney or not. I remember a, I promise a, an ex girlfriend lent me the VHS, and you didn't even watch it. No, I didn't watch Blazing Saddles, either, but I did end up seeing. What kind that of boyfriend later. are you? Well, we're not together now, so that tells you <laughs> whatever you need to know. Um, but we are excited to start exploring the Marvel Cinematic Universe today with this first episode. But before we do that, if you haven't already, folks, please subscribe to this podcast. And here's the great thing: over the break, over my Christmas break. Mm-hmm. We have been accepted to so many new platforms. Yes. So maybe you already heard us on Apple Podcasts or mm-hmm. Spotify, Google Play, or Podbean, but we are also on Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Castro, Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, and Radio Public. Yes. Make sure to search for What the What Media, all one word, and then please rate and review us. We require how many stars, Kyle? 
I believe it's five. It is five stars. If we could do six in honor of the Infinity Stones, mm-hmm. we would ask for six, but they don't do more than five. See, I haven't checked out all those platforms. I don't know how many stars they do allow you on I, each platform. I think they're all five-star platforms, so please rate and review us. Leave us a comment if you'd like to. It could be a horrible comment yeah, but about, we, about we, how bad we stink. Yeah, but five-star. Or we smell bad. Or right. you look funny. Yeah. Like, that's fine. That's great. If, if you know that we look funny, then... Well, I'm fine you're, with that. You're doing your, your deep dive into us because we don't put our faces on the podcast very much. So. But we can find you and see what you look like. Exactly. Send us we, a picture. We can, compare, we'll we can compare looks. You know? yeah. We'll do a deep dive into that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, go ahead and follow us on social media, at, uh, on Twitter at WTW underscore media, and on Facebook and Instagram at what the what Media. That's, again, all one word. Also, if you want to, feel free to head to YouTube. Might as well. And subscribe to our not-yet-active YouTube channel. That's also at what the what Media. Um, or I think it would be YouTube.com slash what the what media there should be. Um, we're not active on that yet, but nope. we, we have it registered. And we have plans. We have plans. We talked about plans last week. Mm-hmm. Plans and are better than not having any plans at all. Exactly. And one more thing. Okay. If you like this episode, you're listening to it, you've, you like what you hear so far, you listen to the rest of it, and you're like, man, those guys are pretty awesome. Or I want to hear more from them. Or maybe you liked any of the now 30 episodes we have done That's crazy. for the What the What podcast. That's insane. Then we have another request. We are trying to grow this show, and we're trying to get more listeners. We really want uh, more people to hear us, and we need your help to do that. If you like yep. this show, we would please ask that you share this show, or this episode in particular, with at least one friend. And you can share that with them um, on social media. Yep. Uh, you can just send them a text message and say, hey, check out these guys. Um, if you do share it on social media, um, tag us, you know, either us personally or the What the What uh, accounts, mm-hmm. and we will give you and the person you shared it with a shout-out on the next uh, episode that we record. Whole snap. So that's pretty cool. Um, I think that's a good idea. So please share this uh, so we can get the word out. Um, we are uh, averaging some pretty decent download numbers, but, you know, we have big dreams. Big dreams. Big goals. Yes. So... Champagne bathrooms. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe like can a we gold make that toilet. much money on a podcast? A gold toilet. That's all I want. A okay. gold toilet. He wants a gold toilet. I, I, I want like a new like new podcasting equipment. I want us each to have a laptop at some point. I or, don't need a laptop though. Well, you're using it for recording though. And you have an iPad. Yeah, but I, I want something where I don't have to. So you don't want to look at me. You like, want something giant that blocks the two of us, well, so we don't see each other. Well, no, not exactly. But that's also added benefits. So, no, well. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so anyway, on today's episode, we are diving into the first chapter of the MCU. Here is a huge spoiler warning for today's episode. Yes, that means you, Jenny Varnum. Yes. While the first Iron Man movie is our primary focus. We will be going deep. Deep. Possibly discussing details from any of the other 22 Marvel Cinematic Universe films or the Marvel television shows, comic books from which the source material came from, and we're taking the entire saga into account from the moment Tony Stark took a selfie with a soldier to the present time. Oh, yeah. So, for your consideration, arms out, bomb exploding in the background, wind swooshing in front of us. This is Iron Man. Because we don't have the rights to that song. so I can hear it all in my head, though. It's it's in there now. You can picture it. I'm swaying back and forth, eyes closed. I just, I hear it. 
So here's some basic information about Iron Man. It came out in 2008 uh, based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. It was produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Paramount Pictures. Um, first film in the MCU, as we discussed already. It was directed by John Favreau, and it stars Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. as Tony Stark slash Iron Man, and it also stars Terrence Howard, Jeff Bridges, Sean Tube, or is it Tobe? We're going to go with Tobe, and Gwyneth Paltrow. And in this movie, Tony Stark is an industrialist, master engineer who builds a mechanized suit of armor and becomes the superhero Iron Man. This film has been in development since 1990. That's a long time, folks. I was three. So almost 20 years it being in development. Um, and it was in development at Universal at one point, 20th Century Fox, mm-hmm. and New Line Cinemas at various times before Marvel Studios reacquired the rights to it in 2006. Um, they put the product uh, project in production, Marvel did, as its first self-financed film. Um, before this, we had other Marvel films out there that were financed and backed by other studios, mm-hmm. X-Men and Spider-Man being the notable ones uh, that were... Uh, produced by Fox and Sony, um, respectively. You also had Daredevil Mm -hmm. and Blade uh, Mm -hmm. as other notable superhero films. Um, The filming began in March 2007, concluded in June, and during the filming, the actors were free to create their own dialogue because the shooting of the uh, film was focused on story and action. Uh, It premiered in Sydney, Australia on April 14, 2008, released in the United States on May 2nd, and it grossed over $585 million on its $140 million budget, becoming the eighth highest grossing film of 2008. I'm pretty sure you could get a gold toilet with that. Probably. If we gross that much, you know, for this podcast, you know, we can afford like multiple computers and maybe like a round table. Instead of this pop-up plastic plastic one. one, Yeah. We're talking about having guest hosts, you know, come in and record, Mm -hmm. but Kyle said we probably need to clean up a little bit. Um, Yeah. So maybe. Because there's honestly just our junk in here. Yeah. It's not Ricky's fault. It's not really Ricky's fault. Ricky keeps a very clean house. Yes, We just mess it up. But uh, this movie received praise from critics for its acting, particularly from Robert Downey Jr. The screenplay, direction, visual effects, and action sequences, it was selected by the American Film Institute as one of the 10 best films of 2008, and it received two nominations at the 81st Academy Awards for Best Sound Editing and Best Visual Effects. So, see, we're we're reviewing an Oscar-nominated film here. I was going to say maybe none of the other ones we've done were, but that's not true. No, that's not true. I mean, Deadpool Society, I think Toy Story. I mean, Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of Oscar-nominated films because we like good movies, and sometimes we like bad movies. And that's okay. It's okay to like bad movies. That's okay. We're going to be doing that on a shirt. We're going to be doing the Power Rangers movie at some point this year, and Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily a great movie, but we enjoy it. Yeah. So, um, You want me to jump into what actually happened in the movie? Yeah, because I'm horrible at plots. Well, I have it all written out here. Well, great. Go for it, then. Cool. So, in this movie, Tony Stark, he has inherited the the, the uh, defense contractor um, Stark Industries from his father Howard Stark, and he is in war torn Afghanistan with his friend and military liaison James Rhodes. Okay, uh, Rhodey, as he's known to his closest mm-hmm. friends, and he's there to demonstrate the new Jericho missile. Now we're not talking about Chris Jericho, the wrestler. Check back in a couple of weeks, and uh, we'll probably talk about him at some point when we talk about Royal Rumble stuff. I feel like he should have at least made like a special move called the Jericho the missile. The Jericho missile. Well, I mean, he used to do a missile dropkick from the top rope when he was uh, younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Jericho missile. So after the demonstration, the convoy is ambushed and Stark is critically wounded by a missile used by the attackers. It's one of his company's own. He's captured, imprisoned in a cave by a terrorist group called the Ten Rings. Jensen, who's a fellow captive doctor, implants an electromagnetic 
a magnet into Stark's chest to keep the shrapnel shards that wounded him from reaching his heart and killing him. The Ten Rings leader offers Stark freedom in exchange for building a Jericho missile for the group, but he and Jensen know that that guy's not going to keep his word. So they secretly build a small, powerful electric generator called an arc reactor. More on that in our deep dive section. To power Stark's electric magnet and proto suit and a prototype suit of powered armor to aid in their escape. Now, first time I saw this, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they keep the suit hidden from almost to completion, the Ten Rings discover their hostages' intentions. They attack the workshop. Jensen sacrifices himself to divert them while the suit is complete. Uh, you know, this moment of silence for Jensen. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for him, Tony Stark doesn't get out of that cave. And we don't, 100%. We don't have this universe anymore. So That's true. Props to you, Jensen. What if it's all just an like a flashback? I don't know. We're not in a flashback. It's a dream. Give it's him like, dream. give him another year or two, and all of a sudden we wake up and Tony's it's just in a cave. Just a dream. All these things that have happened is not real. Travel it's just Tony back in a cave. Down that road, would you come back? No one. Knows. I thought like that's a good escape plan. Like if Marvel ever gets to that point, we're like, you know what? We've bombed. Just like Saint, we can't do horror. Saint, uh, was it Saint Elseworld uh, mm-hmm. in um, like it was a TV show where the the whole thing was a, a mm-hmm. kid's dream in a, a snow globe or something. Mm-hmm. Can you just imagine just at the end of like their you know seventy second movie after the credits roll Saint, off sudden Saints El- Elsewhere ah I gotcha okay, Saint Elsewhere we just spoiled the ending of Saint Elsewhere you never did. thought I've we never would do, I've never seen it either but oh. I do know the ending we yeah David, I'm just thinking David E. Kelly uh, produced that one I'm so. just thinking in my mind you know seventy second movie it's bombing it's horrible so they put out an extra release and at the end after the credits it's just Tony waking up in a cave and all yeah. this is done all this is done yeah um, so the armored Stark. Uh, battles his way out of the cave to find the Diane Jensen. He burns the Ten Rings' weapons in anger, flies away, crashes in the desert, and he destroys the suit. After being rescued by Rhodey, he returns home. Tony Stark, that is. He wants cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he announces that his company will cease manufacturing weapons. Something was funny to me, though, because I watched this the other day, and he said you know, he wants an American cheeseburger. So I'm expecting, yes. especially like he's a billionaire. So I'm expecting some fancy thing. Nah, Burger he's, King. He's eating Burger you, King. You got to get those uh, those promotional dollars in. Hey, product placement, man. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, if you've never had, I don't know if you've ever had a cheeseburger outside of America. Mm-hmm. I've had a Swazi cheeseburger. Okay, it wasn't I was in Swaziland. Do they have a Royale with cheese there? I don't know, but the Swazi cheeseburger was put on a hoagie bun, like okay. it was the full patty, just kind of shoved into a hoagie bun, like sideways. Mm-hmm. And it still, to this day, remains the best burger I've ever had. Well, some countries call a quarter pounder with cheese a Royale with cheese. Yes. Um, you know, in The Simpsons, they call it a crusty burger with cheese. Uh, and that works, too. Yeah. So no measure. And they even so. have a conversation about, hey, I was at the McDonald's in Shelbyville the other day. And it's the little things that separate them from crusty burger. Like, for example, they don't have a crusty burger with cheese. Mm-hmm. They call it a quarter pounder with cheese. You and realize they're, like, quoting Pulp Fiction. Yes, I do. Okay. Yes. Just making sure. You're... Want to make sure you've seen yes. the classic Pulp I have, Fiction. I have. It's, it's a great scene in The Simpsons, too. Okay. Anyway, um, Obadiah Stane, his father's old partner, the company's manager, advises Stark that this may ruin Stark Industries and his father's legacy. So in his home workshop, Stark builds a sleeker, more powerful version of his improvised armor suit, as well as a more powerful arc reactor for his chest. His personal assistant, Pepper Potts, places the original reactor inside a small glass showcase, and though Obadiah Stane is requesting details, Stark, who is a little suspicious of his father's old business partner, decides to keep his work to himself. 
Mm-hmm. Um, at a charity event held by Stark Industries, reporter Christine Everhart informed Stark that his company's weapons were recently delivered to the Ten Rings and are being used to attack Jensen's home village. Uh, Stark dons his new armor. This is an awesome scene. Flies to Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and he saves the villagers. Um, while flying home, Stark is attacked by two fighter jets. Another awesome scene we'll mm-hmm. talk about in a minute. And he reveals his secret identity to Rhodey over the phone in an attempt to end the attack. Meanwhile, the Ten Rings gather the pieces of Stark's prototype suit and they meet with Obadiah Stain, who's been trafficking arms to criminals worldwide, and he has staged a coup to replace Stark as Stark Industries CEO by hiring the Ten Rings to kill him. Um, Stain has this massive new suit. You know, We refer to mm-hmm. him as the Iron Monger. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's seeking to track his company's illegal shipments. Um, Stark is sending Pepper Potts to hack into its database. And she discovers that Stain has hired the Ten Rings to kill Stark. Um, Pepper Potts meets with first appearance of our boy, Agent Phil Coulson mm-hmm. from S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, an intelligence agency to inform him of Stain's activities. Uh, Obadiah Stain scientists cannot duplicate Stark's miniature react- art reactor. So Stane ambushes Stark at his home and takes the one from his chest. Might as well. Might as well. I mean, it's, it's just there. lying around. He knows where it is. Um, Stark manages to get his original reactor to replace it. Pepper Potts and several S.H.I.E.L.D. agents attempt to arrest Stane, but he dons his suit and he attacks him. Stark fights Stane, but is outmatched without his new reactor to run his suit at full capacity. The fight carries Stark and Obadiah Stane to the top of Stark Industries' building, and Stark instructs Potts to overload the large arc reactor that's powering the building. That unleashes a massive electrical surge that causes Obadiah Stane and his armor to fall into the exploding reactor, killing him. Dead. The next day. And people have a fit when Batman kills someone. I know. The next day. Tony did it multiple times multiple in this times. movie. Nobody counted that. The next day, at a press conference, Stark defies suggesting suggestions from S.H.I.E.L.D., and he publicly admits, publicly admits to being Iron Man. With Might as well. Just a four-word phrase. I am Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And then, wait, there's more. Oh, yeah? In a post credit scene. What's that? Shield, yeah, but this, is a, um, this is a scene that happens after the credits. Mm. For those who stuck around, you know, like, this was not common back in 2008. No. People who stuck around to watch, you know, to see if they knew someone in the credits, they were rewarded with a little post credit scene. S.H.I.E.L.D. director Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, there he is. Yeah, there he is. Visits Stark at home, telling him that Iron Man is not the only superhero in the world and explaining that he wants to discuss the Avenger Initiative. What he should be telling him is like, hey, two months from now, there's this guy, Batman, who's going to be coming out fighting this guy, the Joker. You guys should totally team up. Totally. You both got a lot of money. You should probably do some great things together. Yes. Kyle? Yes. What are your thoughts on this film? I'll be honest, I didn't know a thing about Iron Man until I watched this movie. And I don't mean that like I didn't know anything. Like I knew he was this guy that wore a metal suit that was yellow and red and he could fly and shoot blasters out of his hands. But that's about as much as I knew. I remember first seeing him on Spider Man, his amazing friends, and then later seeing him on Spider Man the animated series. So I had a an idea. I knew he existed, I knew about him. Um Toys, I knew, you know, from playing different toys and stuff, I knew that he existed. I knew that he was part of it. But, you know, growing up in the 90s, you watched the X-Men. You watched Spider-Man. You watched Batman. You had all these shows, you know, that specifically with this. So you knew those characters a lot more. If you weren't into comics, if you didn't know about all that, you missed out on a lot of that. And some of these characters you missed out on. And same way Iron Man, I think, had his own cartoon series. He did, but we kn- it was not I on Fox Kids. Yeah, I, it wasn't something I cared to see. Uh, 
I didn't not choose to watch it intentionally. It's just I I don't know. It's one of those things. Looking up today, I found out there was one, and I slightly remember it, but I don't remember a ton about it. Uh, but overall, though, like for me now seeing this movie, though I loved it. Uh, it was for it opened up to a world that you know has forever changed superhero movies and movies in general. But just for me, I don't honestly remember this opening weekend. I don't remember. The movie, you know, even being in theaters, I'm pretty positive I saw it in theaters. There's something about it to me that just makes me think I saw it in movie theaters. But I was in college at the time. Um, any superhero movie that came out, I typically was one to watch in general or anyway. You know, and even if Iron Man, you know, wasn't somebody I knew a ton about, I at least knew who he was. So I probably didn't see it opening weekend, but I'm, I'm sure I did go and see it. There was a theater just a few blocks away from my apartment in college, so... I went to the movies frequently when something new like this came out, but uh, something that stood out to me that I really love about this movie, other than Batman and everything else, this is one of the first times you really see Marvel characters wearing costumes as they are in the comic books. Right. Uh, X-Men had come out, you know, I was a big X-Men fan, huge Wolverine fan growing up. 20 years this year. Yeah. years ago, this year. Yep. Uh, and, you know, Wolverine's coming out, you're expecting him to be the yellow and the black and the blue or maybe even the brown, whatever suit. And all the X-Men are just wearing a bunch of leather. Uh, a bunch of gray, you know, dark gray. And I get it because you've got people that are concerned about, are we going to lose money on this? You know, people aren't going to watch see these guys in goofy-looking costumes. But here comes Iron Man that has to have a suit in general for him to work. Like, you know, he doesn't work as a character without it. And he could have painted it, like, silver. Sure. But they, you know, in the movie. Well, they even showed it silver. Yeah. Like, they showed, like, your rough draft of rough draft what it silver. is. But and then they finish it the same way, though, when Captain America comes along. You know, sure, there have been Captain America TV shows and even like a, a corny movie before, too. But, you know, they went all out with it. Now, Hawkeye is probably one of the main ones that finally, you know, probably didn't get anywhere near his actual costume that you would see him in in comics. But for the most part, the people looked like who they were supposed to portray. Uh, they took that leap. And I think for me, just as a fan, you know, I loved it even more being able to see these things. It's not holding back. Right. You know, not worried about what the world's going to think or we're not going to think about it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. Um, it was cool to, I feel like going back and watching it now, now that I've seen all the other movies, you come back and have a new respect for this one. Uh, in my mind, nothing about it has stood out before. It's like, oh man, I really like that movie or anything like that. But just seeing the stuff and the, the things that Tony's gone through throughout this entire series, you come back and have a whole lot more respect for him and how he gets his whole start with this thing. So it was really cool for me to go back and see it. Um, this, as I discussed a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the, or last week's episode when we were talking about the MCU, I did not see Iron Man in theaters. Um, mm -hmm. I did not even see it uh, until after the first Avengers movie came. It took me four or five years after it came out to, um, to, to go in back and watch it. Uh, it was Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in The Avengers. Mm-hmm. That was like, well, maybe I should give this Iron Man, you know, a chance. Sure. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it mm -hmm. captured you immediately. Uh, we'll mm -hmm. talk about that in a couple of minutes uh, when we talk about best scenes. But um, it pulls you in immediately. Um, one of our uh, one of our followers, friends, fans, whatever, uh, Ashby, uh, will mention her comments later. But she brought up a great point about the MCU in general, um, especially with the Iron Man, though. Uh, it's use of a great soundtrack, sure, um, and how it opens with ACDC mm -hmm. um, that just fits Tony Stark perfectly. Mm -hmm. And from the onset, 
Um, you know, that that kind of set the tone for the rest of the movie and for the rest of the Infinity or the Infinity saga, whatever mm-hmm. they're calling it now, um, for the entire MCU in general. Um, Iron Man, the, you know, is not my favorite comic book character, not mm-hmm. my favorite Avenger. Um, there's so many more ahead of him. Um, but for this being the one that started it all, and especially it came out the same year as The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And you knew there were going to be comparisons to uh, the two movies since they're both DC, DC and Marvel. Um, you know, and they're setting up. Um, the Dark Knight is just an incredible movie. Um, and I can't wait for us to get to that one in a couple of years. Um, but Iron Man definitely held its on, um, its own. And, um, you know, the comparisons, you know, The Dark Knight was a gritty crime drama. It wasn't, I wouldn't even call it really a superhero movie other than the fact that, you know, the protagonist wears a bat suit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more of a gritty, dark crime drama, whereas Iron Man um, has some uh, some moments of levity, uh, some humor injected, and you just kind of made watching that superhero film fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, there were super serious moments, but there was also times where you're like, I'm just enjoying watching this. You know, I know the, the stakes are huge, whatever, but it, in the moment, mm-hmm. um, it's a fun watch. Well, it's probably too, like, we see that comparison more so now with Marvel movies and like when DC is still trying to figure itself out and put things out. You see a lot of comparison then, but back then, I'm sure there were some, but even Marvel at the time didn't fully know hey, this is going to work out and we're going to do what we're going to do with it, you know. Absolutely. There were there were plans, you know, and hopes, but they still didn't expect what was going to come, you know, especially with the amount of money they made and just how things, you know, how well received it was. So I'm sure it wasn't, honestly, it was probably overshadowed a little bit just for the fact of knowing that, you know, Heath Ledger had passed away and yet this, you know, so much expectancy for his movie that was coming out and everybody talking about it. like that's a movie I remember being in college and talking about. I remember going and seeing right. opening weekend. I remember that. Saw it twice in theaters. Yeah, <laughs> like Iron Man I don't necessarily remember, but it's in a different way. And like it doesn't mean it's not a good movie. It's not anything like that at all. Uh, like I say, go back and see it now. It's a different style of movie in general. Two totally different I, things. I think we'd be remiss to mention what a risk um Marvel um took on using Iron Man mm-hmm. to introduce its superhero world, um, you know, which uh, in, that in general is a huge risk. Well, um, I know like a shared universe. Um, well, it was mentioned that, like they had wanted Captain America to hit it up, mm-hmm. but then they regained the rights to Iron Man and the Hulk and decided to go ahead and go for it. Yeah. So, um, but just, you know, Back back in the mid two thousands, and you tell me if I'm wrong because I'm not a comic book guy, but I've mm-hmm. heard it being described as starting out your cinematic universe or your shared universe with B and C plus stars, mm-hmm. whereas you don't have any of the X Men, you don't have Spider Man, you don't have um, like even like Blade, Daredevil, whatever. Yeah, you've got Iron Man, who good character, mm-hmm. but considered probably a B level player in the well, comic especially world for the time at, like, at, at the time. Yeah. Now, I mean, he was. He had had major roles. He had been a huge influence in all the comics. So as a comic book reader, if you were well in-depth in it, sure, you probably he's a higher-ranking person. But until this movie came out, the world didn't really know him the way we do now. Right. Versus now, you'd automatically put him right there at the top. I mean, he was in classic you know, like Civil War and everything else that was brought out as a main player. So I don't necessarily say if you were into comics, you would rank him as a B player. But as anybody else, just kind of like us that grew up watching cartoons and stuff, 
I definitely don't think he would be in our top ranking anywhere. No, definitely not. Um, but I think one of the things that makes this movie is Robert Downey Jr. One hundred percent. Like to the point where like he he made the role his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't. I'm saying own like really weird tonight. Uh, he made it his own, and you can't picture Iron Man without picturing Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Now, like even like if I, if I go back and look through a comic, I, I feel like. I I'm, hear his voice. I, I'm hearing it. his voice. I'm looking and seeing kind of his face mm-hmm. on the page, mm-hmm. um, even if it's not drawn specifically like Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, the success of the MCU, you know, kind of was built on the back of Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. um, just giving an amazing performance and an utterly be- believable performance as Tony Stark. Um, so I mean, he's that's the reason. One of the reasons we're still talking about, um, you know. Iron Man today, mm-hmm. um, so uh, definitely a lot of uh, love going out to uh, RDJ. Uh, P- uh, Gwyneth Paltrow did a great job as Pepper Potts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Jeff Bridges as Obadiah Stane, especially. I feel like that was a little bit of a risk too, because again, Iron Man's Rogue Gallery. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're that well known, um, but I'll I don't put know, it this way: I, I don't know, know if him. Iron Monger is. is I mean, I, I I'd never heard of him before the film. I literally looked him up last week when I watched the movie because it was one of those things that, sure, if you see something in a movie now that's by Marvel, you know that that person's in the comics. But being that this is the first one they put out there and me not being a huge Iron Man fan, knowing anything about him, I looked it up. I was like, is Iron Monger an actual villain? And he is. And it's, you know, they change it a little bit. But no, he is pretty much kind of what he is. He's a giant, you know, another dude that's just in an even bigger suit. Now, backstory, everything else is different. But. Uh, I don't know. It's it's cool to see that even back then that they were taking a leap by taking an actual character and not just being like, here's a villain from today's world, and here comes Tony to save it. You so, know, um, Terrence Howard, mm-hmm. who um, was cast in the role of uh, James uh, Rhodes, Rhodey, mm-hmm. um, I thought did a pretty good job here. I like. I him. know a lot of people preferred him over Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you stand on that? Going back and watching it now, like it was. It made me want and just wish I could have seen him be War Machine. Not necessarily that I think he's any better than Don Cheadle or would be better. Uh, it would just be cool to see his take on some of it. Especially, you know, Terrence Howard just, he's been doing a lot of things in the past handful of years, especially too, and many even before then. But it would have been cool to see his kind of take on this versus, I don't know, just seeing him from different other characters. He's a little on the wilder side or, you know, that side versus Don Cheadle. I feel like a little more on the reserve side with how he plays the character, for me anyway. Right. So, like, I think it would be cool to see, but I, seeing it the way it is now, it's hard to look back and think any other way than Don Cheadle, but it would just been cool to see Terrence Howard do it. I, I love Don Cheadle. I, I think he's phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. I loved him in Ocean's Eleven. I, I mean, he's just been in so many incredible movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the biggest Terrence Howard fan, mm-hmm. but I will say watching him uh, as, uh, as Rhodey in this movie... Um, like you said, it made me kind of want to see what he would be like as War Machine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mean any harm to Don Cheadle's character no. because I feel uh, I feel like Don Cheadle did a... Uh, again, I prefer him. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like Terrence Howard, he seemed like an equal to mm-hmm. Tony Stark in this movie, whereas yep. moving forward, Don Cheadle seems like a sidekick. They at least sense. play together a whole lot more right. versus I feel like you say like, Terrence Howard's character was more, it shows a lot more of his like stature, his yeah. where, you know, his position, how high kind of ranking he is. They kind of give him that spot versus as the movies move forward, 
you know, Don Cheadle is respected and everything else, but you just don't see that much about the rest of his career and everything well, else. I, I put think out just there. in physical stature too, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. Terrence Howard's a little bigger, a little taller, and I just felt like he measures up a little bit better, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with that being said. I don't know what Terrence Howard War Machine looks like. I really like the Don Cheadle version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I honestly, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see the Terrence Howard version, but I like Don Cheadle and I sure. wouldn't want to get rid of him. There's nothing about um, it that I don't like where I'd want to replace him. It would just be cool to see it. But I do wonder possible. if Terrence Howard had kept that role, mm-hmm. would we have gotten a spinoff War Machine movie on his own? I don't know. It's possible because that's the, you know one of the reasons he didn't return was because he wanted more money and they wouldn't give it to him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's possible they would have just gone all the way out and given him a movie, but I don't know, because I don't know if it would have worked as well. Like, without the two working together, I don't know if War Machine having his own thing would have been worth it. Yeah. And then uh, my my last uh, comment before we move on to best scene, um, Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Mm -hmm. Fury showing up in the post credit scene. Um, Again, correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like Marvel Comics had actually already used Sam L. Jackson as like a template for Nick Fury in the comics a few years prior to this movie. I don't know. Like they had asked his permission to use his likeness, you know, like to kind of be an up to like an updated version, mm-hmm. um, not the old white guy with the gray the gray streak or the white streak in his red hair. Or see, I had read some of that guy because I remember being in high school where our English teacher had like a bookshelf off to the side, Doug Johnson. Dougie, Dougie Fresh. He, I hated, love he hated that name. I, He's I, an adult. You're an adult now. He probably punch you in the face. I, for, probably, for but, but, I, but I, lo- I love that man. But he had these books off to the side on the bookshelf, and there was like a, uh, a trade, like a thicker trade of just Nick Fury. So I remember going in there after school or just, you know, during times and just reading that and finding out more about him. So whenever uh, Samuel Jackson pops up on screen and says his name, I'm like, I kind of know who this guy is. Like, I got a little bit excited yeah. where it's like, I actually have read some of this before. Uh, not enough to know if anything falls in line with anything of the character right. other than an eye patch. But, like, my only um, experience with Nick Fury was in the, uh, in the video games. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, shoot, what's the uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance uh, mm-hmm. when they released uh, that for the PlayStation 2 and then they had the, uh, the sequel. I played the first one for the PS2 and Nick Fury wasn't Samuel L. Jackson in that video game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the um, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 that just came out for the Switch, I think he is updated to Sam Jackson now. Nice. So that's kind of cool. Um, but he had obviously just one scene, um, and, I mean, it just kind of opened up a world of possibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, it was no longer just, hey, here's a movie about a superhero. Here's a world about superheroes. Yes. Possibly interacting. And in as someone who was a fan of superheroes in general, we talked about it multiple times, the team-up. You know, mm-hmm. imagining the team-up of all your favorite heroes, you know, when you're playing with toys growing up as a kid, mm-hmm. we get to live that out on the big screen now. And that, that prospect um, was just awesome. Um, one, one more thing, again, uh, Phil Coulson, mm-hmm. um, who was, was not a comics character, I don't think. I think he was created... Uh, uh, for this, uh, but he was an agent of agent of Shield, mm-hmm. and um, th- th- this was his first appearance. And he had a few scenes, um, but he quickly became a fan favorite. Sure, and uh, to the point where he was able to parlay the, his role um, in a few of these early MCU films into the leading role of a television show called Agents of Shield, which is still going on now. It's in season seven. I this, need to catch this up. Summer. I think like I'm off on four somewhere. Look, season four 
is like the high point, but season five and six are both really good. Um, but see, I feel like so many things came out superior mm-hmm. related TV wise that I ended up watching a lot of things, and that one was one that just kind of yeah. fell by the wayside. Season but. four is a thrilling season. It is. All, it has Ghost Rider involved. Um, it has um, what the um, uh, the human replacements. Um, uh, what are they called? Um, her name was Ada, um, but she was a. Um, she rocked with Ada. No, Ada. Um, but she was like. Like they could copy like someone else's appearance or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like you could you would think it was them, and they were like cyborgs or whatever, like and a chameleon. Yeah, kind of, well, not not really chameleon. They were built to be like another person. Mm. Um, they had them in the comics too. I can't remember their names. I'm horrible at stuff like that. But so um, I just joke around and pretend. But they had that. I mean, it was just just such an awesome uh, LMDs life model decoys. Ah, that's what they are LMDs, and um, just an awesome season. Uh, season five. Uh, Experiment with, tra- with time travel. Season six is just a mind b- has a couple of just mind bending episodes, and I think season seven is actually experimenting with some time travel too. So um, definitely worth checking out Agent Shield. But Phil Coulson got to start in Iron Man, um, and we love him. I, mm-hmm. I think he's fantastic. So Kyle, yes, they say the best podcast is the one that you never have to play. I respectfully disagree because that makes no sense. That's I prefer true. the podcast that you only have to play once. With that in mind, let's take a look at our best scenes. And can I start? Yeah, go for it. All right, the opening scene. All right, I watched. It's a great scene. I watched a little bit of it today uh, while I was working on some stuff in my, uh, during my planning period. And like I mentioned earlier, that opening scene, the music hits. Tony starts riding in that uh, whatever the Humvee or the the army vehicle, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, ACDC's blaring in the background. He's joking around with the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's like, oh, you're a woman. Um, you know, I didn't, didn't expect that, which, by the way, I looked at you as a soldier first. That's what we're expecting, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's just, um, he's making them laugh. One guy wants a selfie. He's like, that would be cool. He's like, you know, don't post this on your MySpace, which, again, dated reference, by the yes. way. Um, you know, he's joking around, and all of a sudden, explosion. Mm-hmm. And like that, like that first five minutes, just it set the tone for the yeah. whole movie. I thought it was a fantastic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what do you have? Uh, some of my favorites, one of them starts right from there. I love the building of the first Iron Man, you know, armor in that cave. Right. I remember, you know, I love him being smart enough to request the items that he needs to build something to get himself out of there because he knows that whenever, you know, the guy says that when you're done, I'll let you go free. And he's like, no, you won't. And then the other guy's like, no, he won't. And, I don't know, just seeing that and seeing the building and how it all comes together and seeing how, you know, the soldiers are coming to check on him and in that split second, like, they're hurrying and beginning to be finished up and it's one of those deep breaths, like, is he going to make it? Is he not going to make it? Uh, that's a big one for me. And in the same way, whenever he's finally building his new suit, uh, he's doing it kind of like in his garage with all of his cars and stuff around me being a car guy. Like, it's just, I look around and notice, like, what cars does he have in there? What does he have here? Uh, and just the machines that he has... And technology that he has available to him. This is the first time, you know, it opens up our minds to things for what's to come in the rest of every other movie where you can just imagine, you know, something being on top of this table and we're stretching our hands out and dissecting every little bit of it, you know, and everything just kind of being displayed in the air in front of us. And for all I know, sure, stuff like that probably may exist somewhere now. But seeing that on a screen, seeing robots like pretty much almost being like pets or assistants to him to help him put this thing together, uh, 
even to the reference of him looking over at his hot rod and looking back and being like, you know what, paint it red. Yeah. You know, the small little touches and stuff like that. Uh, the big thing for me is a transition for him throughout the entire movie from where he goes from very arrogant, which he still keeps that. A little bit, but, but not as much. No, and he comes, you know, to a point he's in a cave where he's realizing that it's his products, it's his, you know, the missiles and everything else that he creates, that he sells to make a living, everything else is put him here pretty much. Uh, he's the reason that this thing stuck in his heart. One of his missiles exploded and shrapnel went into his heart because of that to getting back on land and, you know, just being a different guy where he's sitting down in front of the podium. He's like, we all just sit down. Can we just, you know, chill and hang out for a minute here? Right. And then just saying, you know, we're getting rid of all of this. We're not doing this anymore. We're going to start something else. And, you know, I feel like we, that can relate to people because I feel like sometimes we'll have our, our ways about things and we have a life changing experience that makes us think differently. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you rot away, you know, you no longer use your skills. Instead it's, well, how do I use my skills differently? differently exactly. How do I do something different now? Uh, so for me, that's just that overall, you know, story throughout the entire movie that continues to grow throughout, you know, the entire series of what we see for Tony Stark, you know, in all the other movies. He still has the arrogance about him, but he still has just that heart about him too that some reason you can't help but to love the guy. Right. And I think a lot of that, like you say, is Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of this character. Because, like I said, I can't think of anybody else now other no. you know, that could ever have done that. And I felt that's a strong way of knowing that they did a great job. Absolutely. Because without that, you know, there's other characters that, sure, there's going to be multiple... Batman's throughout the rest of our lifetime, a new one's in the middle of, you know, uh, doing their filming now. Right. And each one's different, but to come out with a different Iron Man, unless you can make it just a completely different story, uh, you know, because there's been female Iron Man, there's been all sorts of different, mm -hmm. you know, people. Iron Heart, yeah. Yeah, different, not necessarily stealing everything from him, but like, if you do something like that, I can see it, but you can never just come back and replace Tony Stark as somebody else now. Um, do you remember... Um, in the Avengers movie, mm -hmm. Captain America says, "Take away that suit of armor. armor what mm -hmm. are you?" Do you remember his, uh, Tony Stark's response to that? It was uh, like Playboy, billionaire, philanthropist. Billionaire, Playboy, yeah. Um Well, in one of my favorite scenes is we got to see the Playboy side of Tony mm -hmm. Stark early on. Yeah, kind of setting the tone for you know who he was um, overall. This reporter, you know, is asking him all these you know tough questions, mm -hmm. and then they end up together. She wakes up the next morning, he's gone. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just like, you know, someone who just doesn't care about anybody, he uses people and moves mm -hmm. on. Um, we see our first introduction to Pepper Potts in that scene. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's basically not necessarily his assistant, but she's like, she takes care, like the way she says, I take care of everything mm -hmm. that Mr. Shark requires. In a way, he's Tony's using her as mm -hmm. well. Um, and that's just kind of who Tony was. He uses people to get what he wants, mm -hmm. and then he moves on. Um, so, yeah. You know, that's one of my favorite scenes, setting up who he is. And because you're setting up that, when the changes happen throughout the movie, you can see him transform from the guy who was mm -hmm. arrogant, didn't care, um, used people to the guy who was still a little arrogant, but cared a lot sure. more about, ooh, I just hit my mic, about uh, about the things going on around him. Um, I thought the scene where he flew off to Afghanistan mm -hmm. to... Um, to attack the Ten Rings. Um, where you finally get to see what his new suit can do. Exactly. I mean, that first reveal of the new suit, um, that iconic scene where he uh, he like presses a button and a, like a missile comes out, and he just kind of he comes out behind him and mm -hmm. hits the targets behind him while he's kind of standing there posing. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a fantastic scene. Yeah. Um, 
my other favorite scene, um, there's, there's actually two, but I'll do one right now, the very last scene mm-hmm. where Coulson's given, you know, Stark some lines, hey, tell them this, tell them this, mm-hmm. tell them this. And he starts to read this prepared statement. And then he says, I am Iron Man. And then the reporters go off and that, that ends the movie. Yeah. Fantastic way to end the movie because it sets up, you know, sequel, it sets up, you know, I mean, this was the first time in like pretty much every like superhero, you know, film that or, you know, mantra we can think of where a superhero was outed publicly. Like mm-hmm. everyone knew what his identity was. And that's that's a whole new world where usually in comic or superhero lore they protect their identity because they don't want to put their family or friends at risk mm-hmm. um, from villains, so they keep their identity hidden secret. But Tony, mm-hmm. the arrogant fool he is, I mean, just he wants the world to know. Was well, this scene that makes me feel like I did see it in theaters? Because I feel like I walked out after that being like, what happens now? Because he just did tell everybody who he is. Uh, you know, I think back to like X Men, and sure, you, those people didn't necessarily have like a fake identity. But they also didn't have they, they were known public a lives. public scale the yeah. same way they did, and and if they did go out, you would see them kind of covered up or hiding, you know, their abilities at least somewhat. Like Cyclops um, wore the red sunglasses instead of his sure. little visor. Um, visor, yeah. But I mean, you know, the one that you've seen the most other movies about is Batman, and mm-hmm. it's a huge ordeal not to let your you know identity be known, you know, and that's been going on, you know, as an arc in comics forever from Batman. And you, there's a lot of comparisons between Batman and Iron Man, so you think about that. Same way like Superman, it's pretty obvious who the dude is, but he still puts on that suit and glasses to pretend to be somebody else. Right. Uh, so I do remember leaving and just that scene being like, okay, well, this is a totally different character now. He's letting the world know who he is, and I have no clue what to expect from here going forward. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other uh, best scenes? I don't. I mean, there's all the battle sequences and fighting sequences are awesome. They're it's really awesome. cool how they did yeah. everything. And it's still, for the most part, pretty much holds up, like, you know, the actual filming and everything else does, and CGI stuff. Right. It doesn't look, you know, even in the newer movies where they didn't necessarily wear the armor and they were just CGI'd in, you still can notice that somewhat. Versus Tony Stark as Iron Man, for the most part in this movie, you see him as Iron Man. Uh, the villain, you know, there is a couple scenes where it looks like dude just floating in the middle, middle of right. nothing. But either way, like, it's awesome to be, you know, what's it? 12 years old, old now. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't complain about it, but it, it still it, holds up. It's it not a movie that does incredibly doesn't. well. I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about our basic thoughts of the movie, but um, last year, in honor of Avengers Endgame, I ranked the MCU films and posted on my Twitter account. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Man finished 10th, which, you know, it's better than half, but I think that speaks to the amount of really high-quality films that we had in the MCU. Would you still um, rank it there after seeing it again? Um I mean, I think, well, we have to add Spider-Man Far From Home and Endgame into there. So I think those are both better than Iron Man. But that doesn't really, you know, you think 12th, oh, it's not even a top 10 MCU movie. Mm -hmm. It still holds up today. I think it's a fantastic film. Um, There are other films I prefer, Mm -hmm. um, and that's just me preferring it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, Iron Man's not my favorite superhero. Um, I'm a huge Captain America fan, huge Mm -hmm. Spider-Man fan, so those movies are ranking up a little higher. That might be my own personal bias. Sure. There's Um, nothing wrong with that. But, yeah. Um, The only other scene we've talked about already was the end credit scene with uh, Nick Fury. Um, And, you know, just fantastic again. Like you said, well, what happens now? Well, when that scene, you see that scene, oh, wow, the Avengers. 
Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! What, what, what's what's going to happen? I mean, what's really going to happen now? I mean, the funny part is, I don't think I stayed for that because why would you? It, in it was never known to <laughs> you stay for a movie and see something. Now you go to the movies. We literally watched Jumanji the other day, and we're like, "Do we stay?" And we did because there's a scene in Jumanji now. Literally like, in every like kind of film that we go mm-hmm. see in the movies before when the credits come on, one of us gets our phone out and mm-hmm. types in the movie and end credit scene question mark. Yeah, just to, to see if we see need if to stay. There is a, yeah, I mean so. Um, you know, I know it wasn't the first time they've mm-hmm. had uh, in credit scenes. I think uh, I know Napoleon Dynamite had one, which I never saw that. In yeah, I didn't know I that saw until, it like six until, times until two. Joe Davis told me, "Hey, there's an in credit scene in Napoleon mm-hmm. Dynamite." Dynamite. Um, I want to say one of the Fast and Furious movies had an in credit scene early on. I could be wrong on that. There's um, well, there is. There's a couple. Yeah, yeah. But, but um, but it wasn't as wide. It was known nothing. No, you didn't wait at a movie because this. of this. The Mar- Marvel really set the stage with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those are our best scenes. Mr. Whitley, you've been called the Da Vinci of our time. What do you say to that? I'd say it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't even paint. Well, what do you say to your other nickname, the Merchant of Death? That's not a bad one, though. Uh, neither in the rest of these lines. So let's take a look at the best quotes. All right. What you got? All right, so best quote. Um. One of the early ones uh, is when he's taking the selfie with the soldier, mm-hmm. and the soldier's throwing up the peace sign, and Tony's like, "Please, no gang signs." Nah, throw it up. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's it the, is the levity there again early on. Just mm-hmm. so much packed into that first scene. I can't praise that first scene enough for the uh, the tone it sets, both dramatic, both shocking, and with some humor injected mm-hmm. into it as well. Um, what what do you have? One of mine's the first time we meet Agent Colson. Where he's like, I'm Agent Colson from the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement of the Logistics Division. And Pepper Potts is like, yep, that's quite a mouthful. And he says, yeah, we're working on it. He says that a couple of times. Yeah. Tony says the same thing. And for me, going back and watching it now, after, because when Shield, Agent Shield did come on, mm-hmm. I watched it every week until, like I said, somewhere I died out on it. But, like... In, in the first episode, mm-hmm. like Maria Hill's um, character, uh, Maria Hill, um, played by Kobe Smolders, mm-hmm. uh was talking to uh, Grant Ward, mm-hmm. um, and like we're, you know, she mentions we're the strategic homeland, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. and she's like, "What do you think that means?" And he's like, "It sounds like someone really wanted our initials to spell out Shield." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so but it's they, cool to see it now and to be like, "Oh yeah, this was already here years before years Agent's before, Shield actually yeah. came out." So uh, another one that I really like, and you briefly mentioned it earlier, but it's when they're trying to build the art reactor, um, and they can't figure it out. Yes. Uh, and Obadiah Stane is like, Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. scraps yes. And, he's, and then finally the guy looks at him and he's like, well, I'm, I'm not, not Tony, Tony Stark. <laughs> so, I mean, it gives you that, you know, to see what Tony was able to do in a cave versus what scientists are able to do with everything, you know, to the, you know accessible to them. It, it shows you the brain that Tony has. Definitely. Um, that was um, a quote for me. One uh, other quote I like is from Pepper Potts. When she meets Christine Everhart after the one night stand, um, you know she uh, Everhart, you know the reporter, journalist, tabloid, whatever. Uh, she makes comment all these years, and he still has you picking up the dry clean, cleaning. Mm-hmm. Which, first of all, jerk move. She went and got your clothes dry cleaned sure. for you, brought it back to you, so you didn't have to come home making the walk of shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and you make that comment, but her Pepper Potts's response was perfect. Yes. I do anything and everything that Mister Stark requires. That includes occasionally taking out the trash. Will that be all? Mm-hmm. I mean, just a nice little... Yep, right back at her. Yep. Um, 
I've got a couple others uh, that uh, we'll use as segues uh, later, but um, Tony telling Pepper Potts, let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, uh, the comment he makes to the, uh, the soldiers in Afghanistan, is it better to be feared or respected? I say, is it too much to ask for both? And to me, that reminds me of an office quote. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Scott says, would you rather be feared or loved? And he's like, both. I want them to be scared of how much they love me. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so that's what I have for best quote. Uh, well, you kind of stole your segue. That's okay. Because you quoted it and you wrote the segue. But Eric, yes, is it better to be feared or respected? Interesting. I say, is it too much to ask for both? If it isn't, let's head to the Avengers compound and teach us what we need to know about the arc reactor. So in this section, uh, we're going to do this for each of the MCU films. We're going to take a little deep dive into one of the... Um, one of the things about the movie or about the uh, the character um, that you may not know a lot about. So this first one is on the arc reactor. And in this universe, the arc reactor was a device initially designed by Howard Stark and later adapted by his son, Tony. Uh, a massive arc reactor provided power for the sprawling complex of Stark Industries until its destruction and led to the Stark Tower. This design was miniaturized by Tony to power a life-saving electromagnet in his chest which had an energy output of 8 gigajoules per second. Um, it can keep Stark's heart running for 50 lifetimes, as mentioned by Jensen. Stark responded to that with a, yeah, or something big for 15 minutes, which, spoiler, plays into Avengers Endgame when Tony's able to harness the power of the Infinity Stones, which would kill a normal human being, and is able to harness it and make the snap at the very end, um, leaving him alive long enough to um to do what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. So even I mean they I don't know if they had it all planned out. I'm pretty sure they didn't have no. all that planned out. But they had a callback to this comment, something big for 15 minutes re- regarding the arc reactor, mm-hmm. and that's how Tony was Tony was able to um, harness the power of the Infinity Stones. Uh, further upgrades to the design allowed Stark to employ successive generations of arc reactors, most notably empowering his crowning achievement, the Iron Man armor. Early generations of Iron Man armor were powered by the same arc reactor technology as what had powered Stark's electric magnet device. However, it was poisoning from the palladium within the reactors were having an adverse effect on his health. This forced a radical redesign whereby Tony created a new element previously only theorized by his father years earlier. This new arc reactor had a massive power output advantage over previous arc reactors and was the first to power the formidable Iron Man MK6 armor. Since their inception, many arc reactors have powered successful ge- or successive generations of the armor, Iron Man armor as a force for good. They've also fallen into the hands of far less savory individuals and used to power the fur- used to power further battle suits for criminal operations and a fleet of robotic battle drones. Stark had the arc reactor in his chest removed after receiving surgery to remove the shrapnel from his chest, and he re- later removed that element and then threw the decommissioned unit into the ocean. Stark soon returned to building art reactor technology and used a number of them to power later generations of Iron Man. And later generations of the Iron Man armor contained multiple arc reactors within one suit. So art reactor plays a huge part in the Infinity Saga. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Kyle? Yes. You think you're the only podcaster in, the, in this world? Well, I don't think so. Mr. Whitley, you've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. So let's slip on the Infinity Gauntlet. And let's look at six, one for each Infinity Stone, six of our favorite observations and insights from Iron Man. You go first. Uh, 
one of the facts that I have is Robert Downey Jr. himself. Uh, director John Favreau uh, wanted Robert Downey Jr. because he felt the actor's past was right for the part. Uh, up until this movie, you know, Robert Downey Jr. had been in the news for some struggles with addictions and everything else. Uh, and so this was a really, you know, a big comeback for him to be now one of the most famous things he's known for. Uh, but he said, you know, he wanted the best and worst moments of Robert's life. I've clearly been in the public eye and he wanted, uh, he was able to find an inner balance to overcome obstacles that went far and beyond his career. He said, that's Tony Stark. Uh, Robert brings a depth that goes beyond a comic book character having trouble in high school and can't get the girl. Favre also felt Downey could make Stark a likable butthole, but also depict an authentic emotional journey once he won the audience over. So that was me reading from a piece of paper, but from my, you know, there were other big names that were up for possibly winning, you know, becoming Tony Stark. Like Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise was, one. was the big one, yeah. Uh, there were some others, but I did see where it was mentioned that a lot of times, like, you know, to do a little screen test or whatever, big-time actors usually skip that. They're yes. just well-known. They put it in. They put their name in to, to do it, and they're either decided if they are or they're not. But Ronnie, Robert Downey Jr. came in to do the screen test, and he was in a suit uh, when he did our tuxedo. tuxedo did yeah. it, uh, to even more so portray this character. Uh, and with that, you can go see kind of that screen test now, like online on YouTube or whatever, but... You know, he won. He is that part, and he showed it in that audition. And I don't know. It's just cool to see the things that went behind it. It wasn't just some random big name actor to draw in. Well, they they, took, they were taking a risk on him too because mm -hmm. of his personal demons. Um, his addiction issues also meant that it could be difficult to get him insured for the film. Yeah. Um, but they he went through with the screen test, and mm -hmm. as they say, the rest is history. Mm -hmm. Number two. Robert Downey Jr. wasn't the first actor to join the cast. Nope. Um, at the time of its production, Iron Man and Marvel Studios were both unproven commodities, crazy to think of right now. And the plan within Marvel was to use the movies to earn money on toys rather than rely on the films themselves to generate major revenue. This meant that Iron Man was made on somewhat of a tight budget for the film of its size and scope, and that led to certain key decisions that would maximize the exposure of the film while limiting the amount of money spent. Among these was the decision to make the first actor cast on the project, Terrence Howard, who played Tony Stark's best friend, Colonel James Rhodey Rhodes. Uh, Terrence Howard was riding high, fresh off an Oscar nod for his work on Hustle and Flow. And while he still wasn't a megastar, that gave him some prestige. If Marvel could leverage that prestige while putting Howard in a supporting role, they could get another big name on the film's poster and save a little money at the same time. So Howard signed on as the film's highest paid actor for a salary of $3.5 million, but his time at Marvel didn't last. After he demanded a pay increase for Iron Man 2, he was replaced by Don Cheadle, who remains a MCU co-star 12 years after making his debut. And to compare, Downey, Robert Downey Jr., after he impressed Marvel executives with his um, screen test, he was hired for $2.5 million, plus a potential bonus if the film, the film did well. That sounds massive, but it's peanuts compared to what Robert Downey Jr. earned when he renegotiated, renegotiated his contract with Marvel after Iron Man's success, an estimated $50 million for the Avengers alone. Mm -hmm. Number three. Number three. Uh, we've already talked on this a lot, so I won't go super in-depth, but the whole end credits thing is a big one for this. You know, like we talked about it. was in some random other movies. But uh, the reason they did it, they said they put the end, uh, put an end of credits so it wouldn't distract from the movie. Uh, they said didn't want... People going, you know, what is Sam Jackson doing in this movie all of a sudden? What's going on? 
I thought it would just uh, begin the potential conversation of hard hardcore fans going, wait a minute, could this really mean? Instead of that, though, Monday by Monday Entertainment Weekly was doing sidebars about Nick Fury and who he was and what that meant. Uh, they blew up much faster than what they were anticipating. Uh, I know they even said, too, that they kind of, for the actors on set doing it, uh, it was told to them that that was going to be like a dream sequence or something similar to that. So it wasn't even necessarily a real thing in the movie just to protect it so they could put it where it is and see what's going to happen. Because at this point, they honestly weren't expecting, they were expecting to make their money back and hopefully make more money with toys, uh, which didn't go 100% great that way. But, uh, you know, the movie itself blew up to be gigantic. It was huge. Uh, and so it all did work out. You know, obviously they can do all these sequels and other movies in this universe. But then this was just kind of a little bit thing there that they could throw in. And worst case, if it flunked, then nothing ever really had to come from it. It was just kind of out there. Uh, but yeah, this is a new huge thing. How about yourself? Cool. Number four, I'm actually looking up another fact because that was my second fact, but that's okay. Ha ha. Ha um, So number four, much of the movie was improvised, and we talked about this at the mm. very beginning of the episode. Iron Man did more for Marvel Studios than generate a solid box office return and launch the ability to make sequel upon sequel. It also established a certain lighthearted tone that has continued through almost all the company's films, and even the darkest ones. That is thanks in part to the improv um, improvisation that took place on set. Robert Downey Jr. in particular was apparently fond of interspersing comedy into the superhero drama, and John Favreau encouraged it. According to Jeff Bridges, reflecting on the film years later, this was in part due to the fact that Iron, the Iron Man script was never entirely complete. He, Downey, and Favreau would essentially conduct improvised rehearsals before shooting, something that Jeff Bridges found troubling until he adjusted his way of thinking about the film. Jeff Bridges said, John dealt with it so well, it freaked me out. I was very anxious. I like to be pre prepared. I like to know my lines, man. That's my school. Very prepared. That was very irritating. And then I just made this adjustment. It happens in movies a lot where something's rubbing against your fur and it's not feeling right. It's just the way it is. You spend a lot of energy, we'll use the word complaining here, about that. Or you can figure out how you're going to do it, how you're going to play this hand you've been dealt. What you can control is how you perceive things and you're thinking about it. So I said, oh, what we're doing here, we're making a $200 million student film. We're just messing around. We're playing. Oh, great. That took all the pressure off. Oh, just jam, man. Just play. And it turned out great. Mm -hmm. Number five. Uh, my number five is something that was the first time that I ever became aware of this in movies. Now, it's sure, it's been in other movies, but Easter eggs. Haha, I stole your other one. I'm pretty good at this today. Find you something else to talk about. Uh, but Easter eggs is one of the first things, you know, or at least this movie where you can go back now and hear these things. Just a few examples. Uh, the Iron Man theme song from the 1966 Marvel Superheroes animated TV series can be heard as Rhodey's ringtone. Uh, the Ten Ring, Ten Ring Terrorist Organization, headed in the comics and later in Iron Man 3 by the Mandarin. Uh, is the group that kidnaps Tony at the beginning of the film. A movie billboard features the Marvel Comics villain Fing Fang Foom, and the Marvel Comics Roxanne Corporation logo can be seen on a building in the background. Of course, Marvel Comics legend and Iron Man co-creator Stan Lee makes his customary cameo. This time is a version of Hugh Hefner. You know, we go to movies now, and now that Stan Lee's passed on, you know, he's not in there. Those cameos, you know, especially now the more and more new movies you get, the less we're going to see unless they throw some else in there. But uh, that was an unheard of thing. I remember seeing it and be like, hey, wait a second, that's Stan Lee. Like, and I didn't even know comics huge, but I still knew who he was. Uh, 
But the random little things like that, the same way you go back now, like, you know, there's stuff all over the internet of every Easter egg from every single movie ever. Uh, but it makes you even look deeper now. You know, even The Office has little Easter eggs, like on the TV series, the random things are hidden around on the show. But there's so much stuff like that. But this is the first time I was ever aware of it, to look for it. Uh, and to see how things connect from one film to the next just by little hidden things in the background. Um, a couple other things to add to that. Um, you mentioned um, the Ten Rings Terrorist Organization, um, which is headed in the comics and later in Iron Man 3 by the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. It's a group that kidnaps Tony at the beginning of the film. The Mandarin and the Ten Rings are going to return in Shang-Chi, which hmm. comes out in 2021, I think February 2021, nice. as part of the MCU Phase 4. Um, and then, of course, the other com- big Easter egg is in the scene where Pepper discovers Tony removing the damaged Iron Man armor, you can clearly see Captain America's shield on a workbench. Mm-hmm. And that same scene is shown in many trailers, but the image of the shield was edited out. I remember seeing that on the internet after, and it was before Captain America was even announced, like whenever they saw it, and I got excited. I was like, does that mean that we're going to get a Captain America? Like, Yes. And I was really excited about it. And the same way you go back and see these things now, just hidden little things. That foreshadows so much to come. It's really cool to go back and see. We're going to have to start comparing where we get our fun facts from because I think we... we well, you used yeah. the first link that popped up on Google. Well, no, I used the second link, but still. Well, the first one's an ad. The second yeah. one's not. <laughs> so, um, so number six, um, Jeff Bridges. And this one's interesting to me because okay. I literally just found it a minute ago. But uh, we talked about the book of Obadiah mm-hmm. in Sunday School this past yep. week. Uh, Jeff Bridges, hearing that Obadiah was a biblical name, researched on the book of Obadiah in the Bible and was surprised to learn that a major theme in that particular book is retribution, which Obadiah Stain represents. Look hmm. at us. Look at bringing, that. bringing the Bible and comic books together, just like our friend uh, from Faith and Fandom, yep. uh, Hector uh, Mira, I think is his last name. Um, we'd like to get him on the podcast at some point. I don't even think he's aware of us. but um, hey, That's fine. But we're aware of we're him. We're aware of him. Check out, check out Faith and Fandom. He's pretty awesome. Um, if you're a big fan of, you know, what we do. Faith and comic books. So, um, so Kyle. Yes. Do you really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? I mean, clearly, because you just stole all my, um, my fun facts. Our friends, they help listen to this podcast. Now, what kind of podcast would it be today if they were as selfish as you? Well, you know. Fortunately, we are not selfish. <laughs> I love how this played out. Mm-hmm. And we love to get feedback from our listeners. So, Kyle. Let us know what the people are saying with our social media shout-outs. By the way, that's what we're going to call this segment now. Social, social media, media shout-outs. Outs. So, talk to us. Awesome. Uh, you guys are actually very active this week about this. You were excited about Especially Iron Man. Especially since we posted it this morning. Yeah, I'm mean? pretty good about being late for things, but I posted that this morning, and a lot of you guys tuned in. Uh, Jenny, I'm assuming this was you, because you usually are the ones commenting on our stuff. Uh, it says, though I loved P- Pepper Potts' character in this movie, Iron Man was not my favorite, and if I had... Uh, seen this one first, I don't know if I would have kept watching the MCU movies and would have missed all the awesomeness of the Avengers. Uh, good friend Matt says he definitely set the bar with this movie. Uh, shame I don't actually recall this movie coming out in theaters. It would have been a blast to watch it in one. He thinks he executed it rather well. Talking about Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Ethan Brantley says, I just want to eventually, eventually want to talk about the almighty Galactus. Uh, hopefully in 20 years. Hopefully at some point. I don't think we're ever going to do uh, Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, no, but, but thankfully he's involved in a lot of things, and I know that it's already been hinted that Fantastic Four is coming oh, yeah. down the road. And, it'll so, hopefully and you finally would think that right. would mean Doctor Doom and Galactus, two of the really awesome Marvel villains. Mm-hmm. So. 
Uh, Miss Joy Woods Wright says, love, love, love MCU movies, but while I like the transformation of arrogant playboy millionaire Tony Stark into the superhero Iron Man and the rest of the series, Iron Man 1 is not my favorite. I like the development of the character in the series would not be the same without that development, though. Uh, Steve Evans says, Iron Man 1 has become better over time to me. It came out a couple of weeks before Speed Racer, in the quotations, one of my favorite films of all time, and I was annoyed at how much attention Iron Man was getting while the critics were panning Speed Racer, which was exactly what I wanted in a Speed Racer movie. In retrospect, the world wasn't ready for that style of Speed Racer at the time. When I finally begrudgingly went to see Iron Man, I was meh about it. The physics really bothered me, but I liked uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Stark and liked the character arc. Looking back, they were setting up a physics don't matter in the MCU precedent, so I'm a little more forgiving. Plus, as a movie, it hits so many beats perfectly. Solid movie doesn't get enough credit for how well it does. Simply good. Uh, and Jordan Edgerton says, This is just what well, this is what started it all. Such a classic. I wish they would have kept Terrence Howard. Uh, the favorite scene is when he went against the fighter jets, which we briefly talked about, but it was an amazing scene. Uh, so the movie was so good. Uh, and the only, uh, I know you've got some on Twitter you can pull up, but while you're pulling that up, I talked to Chris Rode today to get his input. Uh, Chris was busy, so I didn't have a chance to talk to him, so I sent him a message to see what he thought. He said, man, it's been a while since I've seen it. So I do remember that it showed a good portrayal of struggle and that wealth cannot buy happiness. It's also amazing to see how far the MCU has come and the different changes that occurred once Disney bought the MCU. So I wish I could say this was the OG superhero movie, but unfortunately it is not. I will say it's more of a prototype of how superhero movies should be. I like uh, that. And look at Chris being a great Chris with, Chris with the great insights, too. Um, and then our, our, our best comment, or our, our one comment on Twitter, and I, I think it's an awesome comment, is uh, by Ashby Brame. Uh, she said uh, in a multi-tweet to the What, what account, mm -hmm. uh, look, you can't talk about the MCU without discussing casting. And mm -hmm. that goes for every movie, but especially Iron Man. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but casting Downey was a calculated risk. Even the idea of some sort of comic franchise was a risk. Props to Marvel execs um, Kevin Feige, but especially unsung hero Sarah Finn. That's the MCU casting director from day one. She's responsible for the genius of Marvel casting, starting with Robert Downey Jr. She has a knack for casting to exacting character standards instead of just looking for stars. I think that casting is in my list of top three reasons Marvel is consistently better than DC movie-wise. Sure. Another being changing up the directors. At the end of the day, these actors didn't play their character. They are their character, and the pinnacle of that is Downey slash Stark. And no, I'm not done. Another thing I think that's super subtle but is a huge audience payout, also started with Iron Man 1, is music choice. Mm -hmm. Tony Stark and ACDC, genius. And the soundtracks for each MCU movie after really acted as underpinning for everything else. Um, and then she says, anyway, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> um, I responded to her. We're going to have to get her on, uh, her and sure. Chris at some point because they yeah. both have incredible uh, insights and uh, just great deep dives into uh, what, what this movie represented. Um, she responded with, don't you threaten me with a good time. So mm. we'll get Ashby on here at yeah. some point. We'll get Chris on here at some point too. Um, so thank you all for, um, for everything um, with your, uh, with your uh, selections on social media and your comments and everything. We really appreciate it. Um, like I mentioned at the top of the show, um, if you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, recommend this to a friend, tag us, and we'll give you a social media shout out um, next time we record. So I think that's all we have tonight. I believe um, so. All right, friends. A big thank you to Ricky Lyles, mm -hmm. Tim Hutchinson, 
Yeah. Our wonderful and irreplaceable pro- producer and researcher. We hope you enjoyed this discussion as much as we did and we, that you're as pumped for the rest of this journey into the MCU films. Next month, we will be covering The Incredible Hulk. I really not, have to go back and watch I'm that I'm going to have one. to find that one. That one's not on Disney+. Plus. Not Mark Ruffalo, but Edward Norton. And next week, we're going to be taking a look into the first season of The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Go, go, Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Until mm-hmm. next time, I had my eyes opened. I came to realize that I had more to offer this world than just making things that blow up. And that is why effective immediately, I am shutting down this podcast. Stay as cool as the other side of the pillow, and we will see you next week. Bye. What Bye. the fuck? Bye.